So what I'd like to, uh, to look at in this second hour is um, two or three other topics there and see if you can, based on the same kind of concept, can you give me some sound bites with which we could respond that would engage them and cause them to dig more. So the first one I wanted to look at was eating kosher. Yes, sir. Who defines food? And along those lines, then, actually, maybe the same question is, um, what was so bad about eating the fruit of the garden? <laughs> so you would, you would not use the classic, does God care what we eat? Well, I mean, that's good, too. Because I think that one brings you right back to the garden. I mean, it's just the door is right open. Well, I don't. I don't know if they're the same. Um, who defines food is is a different question than does God care? They're related, but they're. I mean, they're first cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in the state wow. of North Carolina, means they could be. That's right. That's, That's right. That's right. Wow. All right. So, what's uh? Who defines food? Where are you trying to bring this believer in their thought process? Well, I'm trying to get them to realize that the scripture, which means God, has given us a definition of food. And so, if you are a believer and if you are following God, would it not be a good idea to take a look at the definition of food that God has given us in His Word. Good. I like it. So, uh, does God care what we eat, or what was so bad about eating that first fruit in the garden? Where are you trying to bring them? Well, I'm trying, actually, I'm trying, to, un, un, I'm trying to get them to bring up Mark 7. Okay. And, and Yeshua's words, and also in Acts chapter 10. Yes. Uh, because the argument is, it doesn't matter what we eat. Because that just goes into us. And Jesus said that, you know, it's not what goes into us that makes us unclean. It's what comes out of us. Exactly. Which he's entirely correct. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, not because I said it. What I want them to do is I want them to bring that argument up, though. Okay. And say, then, exactly what was the problem in the garden? Was it the food that would make them unclean? No, the food's not going to make them unclean. That's not what Leviticus 11 is talking about either. It's not talking about the food making you unclean. I'm not afraid to be unclean by eating what God has told me not to. That's not the issue. The issue is, I'm concerned that God has told me what I should or shouldn't eat, and I want to obey Him. So, are you, in in a way, putting the command about what to eat and what not to eat on par with other things about what he said to do and not to do. So then being unfaithful to your wife is in your mind consistent with being being unfaithful to God with regard to what you eat. In fact, those are the same terms he does. Exactly right. He uses exactly the same terms. Good. So 
And I, I, actually, the apostles do as well. And we see that in Acts chapter 15, without getting deep into it, because you don't want to. Right. Um, you don't. However, Acts 15 does carry some some connotation that it does matter what I eat, because I've been challenged by Acts chapter 15, and the, my question and response was, so have you ever had blood sausage? Have you eaten meat that's been strangled? Yeah, you know, how do you know? Apparently, it's the apostles may not have gotten the word yet. I, I mean, this is in the apostolic writings. It's on this side of the Bible. Good. All right, so... I, I see more of a, a mental, let's think about this in your question, and more of a frontal assault to try and dive them into uh, Mark 7 or Acts 10. I, wanna, uh, I do want to make it clear that if you're going to take that second tact, you just need to be on your game, right? You, know, you want to know Mark 7 is talking about to me and to whore, not food. It's not about food. Acts 10 is not about food, but it's not about the same thing as Mark 7. Mark 7 is about how my actions and what I do and what I say and the thoughts and intents of my heart cause me to sin. Whereas Acts 10 is not. Acts 10 is saying, you are calling these people different just because they're different. I never said they were different. Now, I did say that about certain animals. But I never said it about guys, whether they were tall, short, fat, skinny, kids who climb on rocks. doesn't matter. That's Acts 10. So we need to make sure we understand the biblical connotation there. Right? And you should know already where he went. When the sheet came down, he said, no, rap, 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 guys at the door. I'll take you first, then you. Yes, sir. I would go the, you know, another route I like the moral high ground. How do you feel about where does God stand on homosexuality? Good. That's. I was hoping that one would come up. Because if you automatically, if someone, you know, your, your, your typical you know, Bible-reading, church-going Christian, they're going to agree that homosexuality is you know, an abomination to God. Well, the same word is used for the flesh of a pig flesh of a camel, you know, and, and other creatures and, and food things, you know, things that people consider food, yeah, which I, God has deemed on it. Yeah, I think this third one is a, is a showstopper for most folks that haven't thought about the kosher laws with regard to moral high ground. Unfortunately, the homosexual community has. You bet they have. Because they've seen, and we have we have Christians all across America today are being disarmed by that question being asked by. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The yeah, they're they're saying that you 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 claim the word of God is timeless, but you know it's not because shellfish and pork used to be a problem, but not anymore at the church barbecue. Well, God said the same thing about homosexuality. So what's happened? Because you don't eat kosher, you've completely given up the moral high ground. Exactly. So you've got a great argument against the homosexual community if you're standing there and you eat kosher. Because that argument goes nowhere if you eat kosher. Well, then they've got the, the task of trying to dig themselves out of a hole. It's like, well, that's no longer applicable. It's like, well, what? Well, I think it is. Homosexual, not, not, exactly. not, I mean, no longer applicable, I guess, not 
either. Except exactly. In the old Same deal. Whatever. So. Go ahead. I was just going to say that Brother Heck did a good uh, rendering of Acts 10, where he asks Peter to awake, rise, and eat. And when Peter responded, saying, "No, I've never put anything unclean in my mouth," you know, it was almost as though God was testing him by the tenets of Torah, and he was encouraging Peter to take that same Torah and apply it to Precisely. going into the Gentile. Oh yeah! If that sheet came down now to your average concert B-flat Christian we'd still have a problem with Jews and Gentiles. Because they wouldn't have gotten it. Kill and eat. Okay! <laughs> Free food, Martha! <laughs> it wouldn't work! That wouldn't work! Not in, not in Christendom. Yeah, right? Alright. Other comments? Other comments on kosher? Yes, sir? Just going, going back to Mark 7. Acts 10. Or Mark 7. Mark 7. Yeah. And the misnomer in, in Christendom about what that's about because they think it's about food and sure. it's not because they don't know anything about this man to whore. They, right. You know. and, and, and just before he goes on, what made the whole matter worse? The mis- putting the Greek in pr- the. Adding the, adding, the adding the parenthetical statement that says Jesus declared all foods clean, which doesn't appear in the Greek. Which doesn't even appear in the text at all. That's exactly right. That was that was really unhelpful. <laughs> so in his in his discussion with the Pharisees on this issue, he makes the statement, you know, what goes in passes through in and is eliminated. Right. Right. And his point in that was to say, look, it, the body purges, the physical body purges, and it's eliminated. And, the, and, and what's eliminated the waste, does make and you And what's white in the waste is not unclean. In other words, it has no ritual status. If dung is ritually unclean, then how do we have... Lots of animals running around the temple courtyard, and trust me, they're making a mess on a regular basis. Yeah. Right? So, it's, so he's 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 talking temple language to them that they understand because dung is not unclean. The body purges whatever goes in, and what yeah. comes out is, you know, in that sense, well, is not unclean. Yeah. The if you read the Talmud, the discussions about what you can find in the dung and something that falls into dung. Too many people reading and looking at dung. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's extraordinary, but it's, 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 it's great stuff that you would never even think of unless these things come up. Good. No question. All right, we done with that one? All right, I think these are good questions. Who defines food? Does God care what we eat? And what does God think of homosexuality? I really like the last one because it has nothing to do with food, and it normally will throw somebody for a loop, especially if they haven't thought about it. Right, um, and most Christians, I believe, have not recognized that the homosexual community is 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 doing this. Hey, I see a hypocrisy in your walk, and I don't think they they feel comfortable because they don't have a good response. Well, so, they pull out their rare study Bible and and, and and do the best they can. Yeah. All right. Shabbat. Uh, we mentioned uh, during the break that. Uh, of, of the weightier matters of the Torah, um, Shabbat is, is a big deal, and Shabbat is probably one of the only issues here that professional Christendom and our, and our believing communities 
have forsaken by and large across the board as we've shifted from Shabbat, the seventh day, to Sunday, the first day. And there's a myriad of reasons why they've done that. So I think that keeping Shabbat is extraordinarily important to my faith, to my walk, and to my witness. So if I, if I happen across somebody who's worshiping on Sunday, it's, by the way, is there a problem worshiping on Sunday? Anybody have a problem worshiping on Sunday? Is there any day that I shouldn't worship? No. Worshiping God is a good thing. Whenever, right? Okay. So, before we get into questions to ask, can you tell me, what's the big deal? I mean, I, let, me, let, me, let me prime the pump. Will you buy or sell on Shabbat? Okay. If you won't, why not? Don't say, God said we shouldn't. What's the big deal? Separation. 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 Holiness. So we get defined as a people that won't. Okay. Yes, sir. I'm thinking, too, it allows us to act out our faith in that we're trusting in God for our needs. Well, if you're going to take that day off, you bet. That's a good deal. Yeah. And it's just an example, right? Of the Shemitah year, every seven years, if you're a farmer in the land, you're going to lay that uh, land fallow. And we heard a great story about that on Shabbat, I believe it was. So if you weren't here, shame on you. Um, all right. So what, what would you ask? What, what would be your question? Jonathan, you got one for me? No. Isaac, you got a question? What would, what would you ask that would that would cause a believer to think. You go? What makes the Shabbat different than any other day? Okay, where are you trying to bring him by asking him that? Because they don't think it's any different. Well, what the other six days mean to him, that the, or what the Shabbat means to him that the other six days don't. But to him, they don't. Well, to some, even on Sunday, they would not participate in certain things. Well, today I go to church, so... Okay, okay. They may eat pork and go to Wendy's after church, but... So maybe that's a question is, what do you do on Sunday? Why do you do Why things do you differently do on Sunday? Okay, good. Jonathan? Does the name Constantine mean anything to you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and actually, that's a, that's a pretty strong point, because most evangelical Christians are very quick to point out their... They don't want to be associated with or with the Catholic-ish type church heritage. And yeah, the the Roman back, faith. Exactly. And if you can bring them back to the Bible, most of your actions actually are based on that expression. And, it actually, and a lot of them are ignorant to that fact. Okay, so um, I, I'm, see, I'm hearing a different tack here. And, and, and I think it's, it's confusing to me and it's concerning. And here's, here's where I'm coming from. Um, you're, you're talking about jumping in on a, a historical venue to teach them that our faith actually started before the 4th century, uh, that there were laws laid down by Rome uh, preventing uh, keeping Shabbat, keeping the commandments, circumcising your children, reading and studying the Torah and stuff like that. But my concern is that I don't want to give a history lesson I want to get them to think about their faith, right? Because that's really where it's going to come down to. Um, 
maybe thinking about something closer to home, like, is it possible the Protestant Reformation didn't really protest much of anything that has affected our lives? Something like that. Be good. Yes, sir. I'll give you a question, but first, his point is actually the interesting thing was Luther was, was very close to using the Shabbat as opposed to Sunday as part of the Reformation, but he was concerned that it would be too Jewish. Jewish, yeah. Um, anyway, the, uh, the question that I would ask is, what does God do? I think I like that one. And I think I like it because it's different. All right, so before I, Greg, I got you. Hang on one second. What does God do on Shabbat? All right, so your, your desire here is if they give you a blank stare, is to bring them back to the beginning and say, here we go. Why did he rest? So, what are what are some points that we can bring up from that? Okay, it's good enough for God. It's good enough for us. He set it apart as a sanctuary in time. Third, Epistle of the Hebrews brought this very point out and showed how the beginning and the end are somehow related. Good. That there is a rest bringing back in the beginning and the end. This somehow. Heaven, or whatever you want to There is a rest. Is to yes. What's the concept that I missed? There remains a rest for the people of God. That's the passage he's talking about. There's one more there that you should recognize. It's a reminder. No, not, not about the Shabbat, but when you're talking about Genesis and you're talking about the creation of or establishment of Shabbat, we need to recognize that. We're no longer talking about Old Testament, New Testament. This is before the law. This is before the people. This is before the flood. This is universal. This is considered universal, right? Because what does Peter say later on? He says, you've got people on the planet back then that say nothing's changed from the beginning. Everything's been the same. We've got no changes. And they're ignorant deliberately of the flood that there are some things that changed and that God will punish sin eventually. Peter's argument is we can use Genesis as an argument for our faith. This is in the apostolic scriptures telling us to use Genesis. So if we're to look to Genesis in this particular case, one really has to wrestle with, well, gosh, why... Don't we keep Shabbat? Good. Give me another one. Yes, sir. Do you believe the Ten Commandments are applicable today? <laughs> you mean the Nine Commandments? Huh? You mean the Nine Commandments? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the Nine Commandments is a suggestion. The Six. Yeah. The Six Commandments, right. Are you Presbyterian? <laughs> um, okay. Where, where are you going with that? Well, because if they truly are a Christian, they have to answer yes. <laughs> and then... And then they're stuck because, okay, then number four still applies. And it's not ambiguous, as no, some not. people say it is. It's a couple verses. It's not ambiguous. It very it's the says, only one that is actually explained. Yeah, without question. It, it goes through it in detail. Okay, so that's a good one. So your desire is to put them... one of the questions that brought me down this path because I kept thinking, man, we'll talk about nine of the ten. 
channel. <laughs> How come nobody ever wants to talk about that? Number four. I mean, That's it. If Jay Leno was doing a top ten, it would be there, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so your desire is to just, you know, put them between the rock and the hard spot and say, so what are you doing? So, what do the Baptists believe generically about Shabbat? Does anybody know? No, no, no. That's what the Presbyterians believe. The Presbyterians believe that the Shabbat was changed. The holy day was changed to the first day. And this was in a recognition of Yeshua, his raising from the dead, and so forth. What did the Baptists believe? Yeah. They, they believe that Shabbat was for the Jews. We keep Sunday, not Shabbat. They clearly believe that Shabbat is, a, is the seventh day. Whereas the Presbyterian has morphed the seventh day into the first day, so they're actually keeping the Sabbath. And I think you'd fall on deaf ears with, no, with this question because they would say, well I, well, I keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Monday, is Sunday now, not Saturday. You don't have to argue it with me. I'm, I'm on your side. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Maybe a question that really brings us close to home is the one that's, uh, what was our Messiah's custom? Okay. But, he, but then that's where we get into the trouble of he appeared to them on the first day and blah, blah, right. blah. And that's where but they what start was his custom? He's trying to draw from Luke. Right. Yeah. To as was his custom. He, he was in the synagogue. As was his custom. Okay. And that's what Paul did? Right. Paul's after Messiah. Does that work? Acts chapter 2. Where were they exactly? When? Yeah. None of the apostles... Um, change from Saturday to Sunday. They all kept the. That is true. Sunday is not found yeah. in the apostolic. That is true. At all. There's there's only one mention that is twisted out of its context, and that is where it says that they they would um, gather funds on the first day of the week. Now, as Torah keepers, why would they be gathering funds on the first day of the week? Because you can't gather them on the seventh day of the week when they gathered together. But if you start before Havdalah, yes. <laughs> seriously, if you start before Havdalah and then after Havdalah gather funds, you've done that. That's exactly right. And when it was dawning on the first day of the week, when does that happen? Havdalah. And also Paul's reference is probably most likely a reference to um, the practice of gathering funds in time for Shavuot. Yeah. And so when he says the first of the week, it actually it doesn't say week. It's not singular. It's plural. Yeah, first of the weeks. The first of the weeks. Yeah. So you gather the funds during during the gathering, the counting of the Omer, in order to send because that's to Jerusalem. Send charity to Jerusalem for Shavuot. Oh, that's that's brilliant. That's, 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 yeah, that's what it is. It's still it's still it's still happening today. Yeah. Almost every time you set you set aside money. Every time the word Sabbath or first day of the week is used in the Absalom Scripture, it's Sabbath home. Which means it's portable. Seven. Yeah, that's cool, that's isn't cool. it? Yeah. Cool. All right. Yep. So your 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 focus. What 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 are you trying to get here? Primarily because I've looked at a lot of Christian book catalogs, been a lot of Christian bookstores. A lot of titles are like in the footsteps of Jesus. You know, WWJD. Like you know. Uh, 
you know, what would, or how Jesus ate, how Jesus lived, all these questions. And they all take certain aspects, um, except for the how did he worship? I mean, what was his custom in this regard? And while there's other ways of, of maybe picking scriptures that would might justify their actions, if they're true to the sense of wanting to be Christ-like, which is what they, which is the title they've chosen, then they should be able to look his customs in the, you know, at face value and, and see if they're following truly in them. Good. When you Good. Take them, you can take the Corinthians where Shaul says, "Imitate me as I imitate Messiah." Messiah right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's that's clear. Paul actually commends two different of his uh, communities for keeping the traditions. All right, so um, how many laws are there is, is my favorite one for, for law. <laughs> For for kosher, um, I'm definitely going on the homosexual homosexuality question. On this one here, you guys didn't get mine, and uh, I'm just going to put mine down as a sort of an option four here. Did Jesus break the Sabbath? You're so mean. You're <laughs> so mean. See, that one might embarrass. So. Where am I going with that? Where am I going with that? Isaac, you're the newest one in the room, except maybe him, but he's so new he can't answer the question yet. But I don't mean that in a, in a, in a bad way. So, so help me help you. Why am I, why am I, why am I asking that? Why, why, am I wanna, why do I want to ask them if Yeshua broke the Sabbath? Because well, their whole reason is that the Sabbath changed after him, so if he were the one keeping it, why would it change after him? Okay, so what, what's one of the reasons that they think he did break the Sabbath? Do you know? Well, I think I heard somebody say that after when he rose. Well, he rose on the first, so there, there's a lot of focus on the first day of the week, which if you really look at it, is sometimes the second, third, or fourth day of the week. Um, the uninspired titles in a lot of the study Bibles say, Jesus breaks the Sabbath, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus broke the Sabbath, Jesus violates the Sabbath. And, and then they go through what he did. You know, so the Pharisees come up and go, oh, why, why are your disciples doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? By the way, he never does say they didn't break the Sabbath. We might do a whole class on that one because it's really pretty cool. So a lot of believers think that he did break the Sabbath. Why do I want him to go there, Isaac? Why? They won't make them uncomfortable until I respond. How will I respond if they really believe that he did break the Sabbath? Well, my response would be, I don't know how you would respond, but my okay. response would be that um, just from the Old Testament that we are told that you cannot change the commandments. Keep going. You can't add or take away from Keep them. going. Do you, did you ever watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I'm sorry? Did you ever watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? The old one? With... Uh, the Jewish guy, Gene Wilder. Okay? Do you remember when the kid sits up on the throne on that little cushion and he goes down and Gene Wilder looks and says, he was a bad egg. And, right? Was it, was it a girl? If, he's, if they think that Yeshua broke the Sabbath, 
he's disqualified. But he's yeah, he's disqualified as the Messiah. So you can. Right, exactly right. He's disqualified. We're hopeless. We've our 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 salvation is for naught. So you had it exactly right. You're leading right to it. Are unbelievably stupid. Yeah. So you got it. Deuteronomy twelve and thirteen. You can't change it. You can't nullify it. If he if he just decided to break it, well now he's supposed to be a spotless lamb. Take it back to the laws and the Torah, and all you have to do is refer to the prophets. And if the prophets say that he has to be a follower of the commandments all the way through, then like they can't just obliterate the law. Can't have can't have one or the other. How did they know that he was because he followed the law? You got it. Yeah, they'll be all wrapped up in knots. Yes, sir. But, so what if they respond, no, he didn't break the Sabbath. Then why do you? <laughs> so, so. I, I would probably, I would probably be a little more gentle. So I don't have to. Yeah. I, <laughs> if that's their response, I get that one a lot. But the law's been done. Okay. So that, that's the fulfillment. He kept it and he fulfilled it. Well, that's what okay. If all right. So hang on now. Hang on now. There's a great response to that, but you got to learn the question. If they respond that way, he did it. I don't have to now because it's been fulfilled. The the question should always be then from Matthew five. How would your life be different if he had abolished That's an awesome be super easy. the law? Your life would be, but most of the people that are saying that you're asking this question, their life would be unchanged. That's right. See, they're saying... No, he didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. Okay, I get it. He fulfilled it. He didn't abolish it. How would your life be different if he did abolish it? They don't have an answer because it wouldn't be any different. It would be exactly the same. They're living like he abolished it. So I think Greg's got a good point here. And no matter how they respond, there's going to be more room for them to be thinking. And remember, the idea here is not to win the argument. The idea here is to open someone's eyes to the opportunity to be more obedient to God. Is there any righteous man who does not want to be more obedient and more pleasing to God? That's, that's the focus. That's the goal. All right, that was great. That was good. So we got, got an extra one in there. And then uh, we got the slam dunk question on law in general, which is why I put it up there. <clears throat> okay. Righteousness. Now, I think, um, I think Rick has probably um, wrestled this more than anyone in the room. Uh, and this, this pull between, it's the righteousness that I get from Yeshua. I, I have no, I'm filthy rags. I've got nothing that I can bring to the table. I've got no righteousness. And, and that whole pull and push back and forth, um, I think that, Christianity in general, regardless of what flavor you're practicing, is really, on, on a regular basis, struggling with the concept of righteousness. Yeah. For the same reason that the 
given up the high ground, this is exactly the problem that they have. Because they cannot simply say all that matters is imputed righteousness. Because if they do, then there is no purpose for living a moral life. That's right. I can, I mean, let's eat, drink, and be merry for, it doesn't matter how I live. Right? I can live like no, hell. No, no, the answer to that question is, well, that's evidence that you were never saved. Why would I want, why, why would I want to... that you were never saved? Mm. Because, because the redeemed life is not at enmity with the law. It's the only, it's, that's actually from Romans chapter 7. It's not at enmity with the law. In my, in my heart, I love the law of God. What I want to do, I don't do. That's right. So what is your question regarding righteousness for the, for the strong Bible believer in Christendom today? Yes, sir. Is being righteousness equated to being saved? Is being righteous equal to being saved? Where are you trying to bring them with that, Johnny? Well, I want to distinguish between acts in this present world versus the salvation in, in the eternal sense. Okay, so we're looking at a temporal versus eternal yes. scenario, and you want to mix the words to blur the line. Is that it? So you want them to wrestle with righteousness and salvation. If they say they're the same, then where are you going to go? No, it's not so much... I mixed up my question. Maybe I mixed you up. Maybe I, I see where you're going. I want to get it worded right. Yeah, I want there, I want there to be a, a mutual yeah. exclusivity between yeah. the two. So, that so what would they say? Let's start with what they would say about righteousness. And then let's ask a question that will cause them to go, uh, or respond in a way that we could then rebuff. Let's think about it, because I, I like where you're going. We just got to put a question with it okay. to get that temporal, eternal thing together. Um, I've, I've got one that has to do with uh, Elizabeth. I got two. First one. You can only do one at a time. I mean, you don't get extra bonus points here. This one's even more serious. <laughs> okay, I'll take serious for 200. Or funny, less fun. But, yeah. <laughs> mystical, non mystical. Yeah. How many different types of righteousness are there? Excellent. Ooh. Excellent. Oh, yeah, there's a second one that's followed. Have you heard of, of a website called Doreen's Online? <laughs> <laughs> don't go there, man. <laughs> All right, how many different righteousnesses are there? Good. So where are you trying to get him to go? To, to realize that there is an eternal righteousness that is important. But there is a, one that's not really talked about. Is And the saying, which I love, is righteousness is as righteousness does. Yes. And that, uh, and that righteousness is expressed, not just received 
it's also it's, it is a lifestyle and it is an action. Okay, so you're you're going to try and bring them to the crisis of seeing that it is possible to keep the law, and that keeping the law will give me a title of righteous on this planet. Righteous according to the law. Right. And, uh, or righteous under the law, as Paul put it. Um, But you would be quick to ensure them that you're not saying that that righteousness, through your deeds, could earn you a place in the world to come, or salvation. You would agree then that as we said earlier in the first hour, that the natural man uh, in, in his fleshly mind cannot even keep the law. So keeping the law and being righteous in this temporal sense is only possible for the believer. You got it now? Oh, whoa, whoa. So you... Th- okay. Yes. Let's try this. So is righteousness a result of salvation or a, or is it the means or is it the end? Is it the is it the cause? It, yeah. Is it the is it does righteousness cuz that way you can go the whole are you trying to earn your salvation or is it the fruit of the renewed spirit, the renewed person? So is righteousness the result or the uh, the means or the fruit? Yes. That, that really gets, gets you thinking. Well, wait a second. We're, we're not, you know, especially for the, everybody who just said that, you know, grace is free. We don't have to earn our salvation or anything like that. Then, then, then why are you doing this? So it, it really brings up a whole lot of, you know, evidence in our, in our favor. Good. All right. So is, is righteousness a means of or a fruit of salvation? I like it. Yes, sir. Um, I'd ask the question, who is righteous? Because the Bible has a lot of verses about the righteous. I want to know, who do they think the righteous is referring to? I think... Define who is righteous. I like that. I think that one may be my favorite because it's so despicable in its simplicity. It's, no, it's not just despicable in its simplicity. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an avenue for a conversation. And that's the... But it's also what you want them to do is... You want them to say, "Well, it's people that, well, it's people that have been saved." Okay, great. Romans one sixteen says exactly the same thing, and Paul is quoting there from Habakkuk, where he says, "The righteous will live by faith." Faith. Oh man, this is perfect. Oh wait, he's quoting quoting from Habakkuk. What do you think Habakkuk meant? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you you're going to open up not only for the term of righteous and then. Then, of course, you can say righteousness is righteousness. Right, right. And then you're also going to ask them, you're going to get into faith. You're going to ask them, what's the correlation between righteousness and faith? Which is something that imputed righteousness has a difficulty of correlating. Right, because it's truncated. The righteous shall live by faith. Because because in the Hebrew, it doesn't say it. It says it that way. In the Hebrew, it says, the righteous will live by their faith. Whose faith? Right. What kind of thing? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yes. Is righteousness the same as justification? Ooh, that's good to know. 
What's justification? <laughs> okay. Okay. Because then you're asking, basically what you're doing is you're asking them to make a difference because in their mind they're not. In their mind they're the same thing. They can't. I mean, Calvin jumps through so many hoops trying to make a distinction between the two. And yet the description of imputed righteousness and justification are both standing before a judge and both having de declared as satisfactory. So... I'm acquitted. Okay, great. So I'm imputed righteousness. How's that different from justification? They can't make a difference. So where are you going to go to help them if they just say righteousness and justification, they're the same thing? Well, so then we can take them back to Romans 2 that says the doers of the law are justified. So, if you want to be righteous, and righteous and justification are the same to you, <laughs> you've nailed them. You've cornered them. That's your formula. So, we... we, we <laughs> See, they're going to rely on Calvin. That's exactly why. We sold, you can't rely on Paul. So we, so, we sold enough rope that they've just hung themselves equating righteous, righteous deeds Which with justification. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, where, where do we want to bring someone with regard to righteousness? Why would we even go there? Why would we even talk about it? What's, what's the underlying theme that we want to bring out? I just want to tie the class up now in a little bow, you know, because we started out the first one with the law, and we came up with uh, three or four pretty good questions to ask that would garner conversation and an opportunity to look at the scriptures together. And, uh, and again, bring it back to, to Henry and, and a godly man who loves the Word of God and loves Messiah. So um, I've got an understanding now of the law that we can look at with how many laws are there? Can a non-believer keep the law? What's the purpose of grace? Then move into kosher. Who defines food? And does God care what we eat? And what does God think of homosexuality? These, these questions are, are going to wrap, hopefully, a need, a, an understanding, and then a need for the law in our lives today. Then Shabbat is, I think, a more practical expression, then, of these two. If we've got a new understanding of the law, a need for the law to deal with a fallen world, then as we look at Shabbat, what does God do on the Sabbath? Are, there, are the Ten Commandments applicable today? What was Yeshua or Jesus' habit on the Sabbath? And did Yeshua break the Sabbath? These all will bring them, I, I would hope, to an understanding that we've either got a Messiah who can't be the Messiah, or we've got an example of keeping the Sabbath long into the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th centuries. And then finally, with righteousness, how many righteous are there? Does righteousness, is, 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 a, is righteousness a means of salvation, or is it a fruit of salvation? 
So, so we can try and get a difference there. Who is righteous? And finally, is righteousness the same as justification? So um, I think with these questions, we would certainly come to the point of finding ourselves going back into the Tanakh, perhaps, especially at the end here, to see that throughout the Scripture, God has chosen to bless the rain and His his pouring out His blessing on the righteous versus the wicked. That's now. That's not later. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. He expects and looks for the righteous man. What did he say about Job? Have you considered my servant Job? Man, he is top shelf. According to the law. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why I said Elizabeth before. Um, the, the list of those who are blameless according to the law in the apostolic writings. Um, un- unbelievable. Or um, as, as we look back into the, into the to Tanakh, we've got the same kind of thing. So um, it's an interesting uh, th- uh, comment on Paul's life at the end of his life when he's uh, towards the end of Acts, I think it's 26, where he says, here at the end of his life, I'm, I'm free of the blood, my hands are clean and free of the blood of all men, and I'm blameless, according to the Torah. That's an amazing statement, that he was, even at the end of his life, long after knowing the Master, long after suffering the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. No, wrong, wrong quote. Uh, yeah. Long after suffering the uh, the uh, the burden of being the master's servant, he still was keeping the Torah, and before he was put in jail, was rushing to get back to Jerusalem for the feast. He just couldn't wait to get back. Now that could have been a haircut thing, but. But for for those not keeping the Torah, you probably won't even get the joke. So, um, and then uh, <laughs> so so th- those are good questions, I think. So I want to encourage you over the next week or two um, to come up with another topic that should be here on the board and some questions that can be asked. And uh, if you've taken some notes or you're going to go back and uh, and 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 get these, I'll put them on the on the website. Um, but I would be interested if you actually take the opportunity with your friends and family and, and some, uh, some godly men and women that you know, if you would ask some of these questions and report back on, on how it went. Um, again, not to belittle them, not to berate them, not to even cause their faith to waver, but rather to have them to move more into the Scriptures and to be obedient in their walk, um, pleasing their, their risen Messiah. Yes, sir? Uh, since it's Give him our highest regard. I shall that, indeed. Uh, we, we, all of us that know him, have the utmost respect and high regard for him. I appreciate that. I will do so, and um, I'm hoping that he'll be here in town uh, soon. And uh, we're hoping, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, to have him uh, sit with us on a Tuesday night and, uh, and discuss. So for those of you who haven't had the privilege of meeting my, 
my great father-in-law. You, I hope, will have that. Yes, sir. A couple of topics that just immediately came to mind is uh, you could sort of subcategory off of Shabbat and just do one accord, you know, just make it the festivals, biblical holidays. And another one, you could actually get into uh, traditions, you know, where, you know, traditions in Holocaust. Yeah, I, th- I think you've got a good point there, um, and and certainly the holidays would lead into that as well, right? Um, it is. It's a, there are some great traditions um, in Christmas celebrations. There's some great traditions in the Easter celebrations that the church has has long uh, had. You know, and and uh, you know to to celebrate the birth of the Messiah of the world is a great thing. When to do it might be. A question we might want to ask: um, how how to do it, and stuff like that. You know, again, we're looking at traditions, right? It's certainly not a command, because I th- I think we're well, we should be experts on the commands. <laughs> one would think. So it's not. We know it's not a command, but it's a tradition. And then other traditions uh, within the church, having music um, before the uh, sermon, uh, stuff like that. So. Yeah, but that's good. We'll we'll look at those. All right, let's uh, let's call it a night and uh, have a uh, have a glass of wine together. I think I do have this on my iPad. Um, I I did bring that up earlier. Outstanding. What a great way to close. That's, a, that's the bow we were looking for. There it is. May it be your will, Adonai, our God, that a mishap not come about through us. And may we not stumble in a matter of the law and cause our colleagues to rejoice over us. And may we not say regarding something which is tame that it is tahor. And not regarding something which is tahor that it is tame. And may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of law, and we rejoice over them. 
For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding of God. As, uh, as David prayed, unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen.